You're listening to The Bob and Bo Show. Here are your hosts, Ty Bob, Ty Bo, and Sean. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am Ty Bob, joined by Ty Bo and Sean. We are coming back after an NFL divisional round where we saw mainly the favorites come out on top. Unsurprising, we did see some of those league average quarterbacks that some say elite uh, show their true colors. And I'll be talking about you later, Dak. But in honor of Patrick Mahomes' high ankle sprain not being as bad. Grade one. Grade one. Grade one. There we go. We finally got a grade on it. I hadn't seen that. But in honor of his not so horrendous injury, for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to kick it over to Tybo for his new top five. So we are very thankful that Pat Mahomes is not as injured as some of these people on my list might be, but I am giving you the top five, my top five most gruesome injuries in sports history. Um, giving you two honorable mentions here for basically the same type of injury. Um, you could argue one was more gruesome than the other, but Anderson Silva and Chris Weidman. Um, didn't Anderson Silva's happen against Chris Weidman? Yep. And so it was just it's just funny that it happened to Chris later on down the line. Uh, but both went for a leg kick. It got back and snapped their tibia fibia. So very gruesome. Um, when you're watching UFC, they don't shy away from putting that stuff on the replays. Uh, you know, other sports, NFL, they, they don't they don't put that stuff on 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 TV as much anymore. They they'll give you they'll give you the glimpse of it, and then they're they're done. You know, outside of maybe like a head to head or helmet to helmet contact in in uh, in football, the the real gruesome injuries that happen, they're not putting it on TV anymore because uh, lots of people have complained. Uh, but number five. Joe Theismann, uh, quarterback for the Redskins, ended to him. Um, probably should should have done some type of homework or had a better game plan than trying to run a flea flicker against Lawrence Taylor um, because he snuffed it out immediately. Uh, was in Theismann's face as soon as he got that ball back on the flea part. Um, but it was gruesome enough that a, a grown man that is known for aggression um, and just being, you know, a total badass, I mean, stopped the game, was like looking at it in disgust. Like he felt terrible that it happened. Um, Joe Theismann said it sounded like two gunshots went off like over his shoulder, but it was his leg snapping. <laughs> uh, number four. March Madness, Louisville, Kevin Ware. This is the one that probably major sports networks looked at and was like, we need to stop showing this replay on on TV because uh, you saw the Kevin Ware injury a lot. Like, they kept showing it. Um, very gruesome. I think it probably scared a lot of kids. 
Uh, definitely, there's definitely some similar injuries out there um, in basketball. Paul George, uh, Gordon Hayward, uh, lots of lots of terrible leg injuries. His was so but, weird though because he just jumped to contest the shot. It wasn't he's, he was not going for a layup. He was not dunking right. or anything like that. He didn't have any momentum going either way. Like just an awkward landing, and it really maybe the dude's just got weak bones. <laughs> But very gruesome, very very tough to watch, over and over and over again. <laughs> Number three, um, not sure how you pronounce this girl's last name, but we're gonna go with it the best we can. Samantha Serio, Serio, uh, Serio, gymnast, um, an Auburn gymnast, um, and she, was this this was a, a floor routine? It looks like. And she came down on one of her stunts, both legs hyperextended and the knees buckled backwards. Um, tough to beat that one, but I think I got a couple that might. Uh, I mean, but like probably injury of my worst nightmare. Like I've I've had a couple of like hyperextension scares with my knee, but if like if I see somebody's knees fold backwards like that, that sends some chills down my spine, man. To have it happen to both legs is just, that sucks. Number two, um, probably one of the lesser known injuries on this list. It happened in the South African Soccer League in 2009. Uh, Opa Nglube, or something close to that. <laughs> I tried. Um, it's, a, it's a soccer injury. And, you know, those guys like to fake injuries and, and flop and do all this nonsense crying. This was a serious injury. This is um, voted or considered like the worst injury that's ever happened in soccer. Um, but someone basically just got their their lower leg stomped on. Um, and in, in the, the still of the photo, his his lower leg, his tibia fibia area just looks like a banana. Fibula. Uh Tibia fibula. Did I say it backwards? Tibula fibula. Tibia fibula. Tibia fibula. Um, so, yeah. Um, I guess there's an argument that Samantha's injury might be more gruesome. Uh, you look at the stills of that injury, the, just the shot of his leg stomped on, uh, it's, it's pretty fucked up. Number one. It's, it's gruesome. It's gruesome to think about. It was gruesome to watch. But there was blood, a pool of blood on the ice. It's, uh, I, I forget what team it was. Let, uh, let me look it up really quick. But Clint Malarchuk. Absolutely. I mean, everybody who's seen this recalls it from recent memory. Uh, he played for the Buffalo Sabres. Um, but his throat got slashed by a hockey blade, straight Undertaker style. And I mean, like hands were clutching his neck, but there was a pool of dark red blood in front of him as he's bending over. Uh, I mean, there's so many people, especially the ones that saw this on TV or saw it live. They're going to say, hands down, this is the most gruesome sports injury of all time. And I got to give it to him because when you see that much blood, um, 
on whatever sports field you're playing on, uh, it catches a lot of people's attention. Um, he lived. He did not die. But definitely through one of the most gruesome and traumatic injuries in all sports. There's a lot of injuries out there when it comes to sports and ones that probably don't get talked about enough in like UFC boxing stuff like that, just simply because it happens so often in those sports as well. And so it kind of gets mixed in with the wash, but I tell you, but bodies are not supposed to operate the way that we operate them in this day and age. And let alone uh, the injuries that come along with them. Thankfully, modern medicine has uh, come a long way, but uh, some of that stuff is scary. I mean, you've got, especially with Chris um, and, and slicing, slicing his neck open. I mean, you got big Clint. giant two, Clint, sorry. You he got, lost three pints of blood and he needed yeah. over 300 Holy stitches shit. to close it up. And, and, and that is now why the masks, the, the goalie masks go lower. And they also have a, uh, a, a, a protector to go around the neck, not only underneath, but also connected to their mask. So that no matter what, that that sort of issue can't happen again for goalies. Have you guys ever seen a gruesome, gruesome sports injury in person? Um, the, the nastiest one that I had, uh, was a teammate of mine in college. We had the, uh, metal braces that you see most, uh, offensive linemen in the NFL wear. Um, so they, they mold to your skin by perfect dimensions. Um, and then they wrap around his actually inhibited the way his leg was able to move and he got pushed over. Um, so imagine standing straight up and then going to your right, but your legs stay in place. And so his leg literally snapped because of the metal brace that was on his leg. Right mm. below the knee. Mm. I've seen people break their collarbones in person and stuff like that, but I don't think I've seen a really gruesome injury live. I've seen some gnarly concussions, people getting just absolutely annihilated in the head. <laughs> I seen yeah, one with yeah. a lot of blood, and that was just a broken nose, and it was the most blood I've ever seen in person. I've been there. It's not fun. The worst broken part about breaking your uh, the worst part about breaking your nose, uh, especially if it's if, if if blood is caused, you get nothing but blood boogers like fucking weeks afterwards. <laughs> For a month. It's awful. Uh well, thankfully, we don't have to worry about that with Patrick Mahomes. It is just a grade one high ankle sprain um, before it was even a high a grade one designation made public this morning. Uh, it was reported that Patrick uh, Mahomes uh, felt great and the entire chief staff was completely amazed at how good he looked uh, Monday morning. So that was already a good sign before we got the designation of a grade one being a grade one. Uh, a grade three is typically three to six weeks. So you could you would be able to say a grade two would be roughly two, uh, you know, one, one to two. So uh, one to two weeks out. So a grade one is, you know, ginger for a couple of days, a lot of ice. Uh, still going to be tender probably by the time he gets out there for the AFC championship game, but no structural damage whatsoever. So. A lot of good things for Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs there. We also do have a little bit of news. Um, a, a stat that I did see that was interesting from Cody Tapp earlier today uh, on Twitter. Um, 
that they were talking about Andy Reid and and how he believes that the uh, ankle sprain isn't uh, that bad. But Patrick Mahomes also did suffer another high ankle sprain against the Jaguars back in 2019. Uh, That was week one. The very next week in week two, uh, while injured, he went on to throw for 443 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions against the Raiders. So Patrick Mahomes has a very good track record coming back from injuries. Uh, There was one other thing that I noticed uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs uh, in statistical terms. Uh, This one, uh, Arjun Menon uh, was was going through a bunch of stats, and this was really for all of uh, the teams that played this past week. Um, It was really interesting. Uh, uh, Perfect coverage by DBs. Uh, There was only one team's defense that stood out above the rest everybody else was just a little bit above league average the the team that did the best was Cincinnati and their DBs perfectly covered plays 66.7 percent of the time the DBs are very scary very scary then you had Jacksonville number two on that list no we were not we were actually dead no we were actually dead last then I read that wrong because I thought it was the other way around so How you could saw they have covered us perfect. How could they have been number two if we scored as many points as we did? They perfectly covered our receivers 50% of the time, Jacksonville to yeah, Kansas City's offense. Buffalo to Cincinnati, 48. Because they did not. <laughs> 0.6% of the time. Uh, Philly to the Giants, 48% of the time. Giants to Philly, 40% of the time. The Kansas City Chiefs DBs were able to perfectly cover Jacksonville's wide receivers 11.4% of the time. Better than nothing. <laughs> it's it's sad to see, um, again, rookies, but at this point in, in their career, they're no longer rookies. They're year one guys okay and this falls on steve spagnolo um either that or these guys just aren't good it's one or the other and i i I cannot believe that these guys are just not that good see that's where i think you're getting a little too carried away with numbers because i don't think they played that bad no it it wasn't that they played that bad um and and part of that is like taibo was saying it didn't look like our coverage was that poor. To be honest, we had a shit ton of pressures. Chris Jones and and Mike Dana, uh, Carl Loftus, like the defensive line and the blitz blitzes that were coming were timed and run and executed so well that the passes weren't really able to to come off. And a lot of times those passes were also dropped. You look at one of those pass the plays where it wasn't covered so well by the DBs was the Christian Kirk drop forty yard bomb. So it just so it just didn't work out in their favor. But our defense, our DBs were not that good this week. Well, I was more so questioning the numbers on Jacksonville covering us perfectly 50% of the time because yeah. we only missed 10 passes. Henny and Mahomes were 27 for 37. I'm not sure exactly what kind of metric that is or how you determine, but that is – They definitely weren't covering Travis Kelsey perfectly. Well, that's the only person they couldn't cover perfectly because he had 17 targets, 14 catches. Next closest was Kadarius Tony with seven targets and five catches. Other than that, nobody else got more than two targets. And MVS had to go and get a touchdown. I hate that guy, man. 
It's a nice catch. Mahomes what, had no, it was a good. High. It was a. It was a good catch. He he, he almost looked like the Jordan logo when he caught it. He actually went out and did his job for once. It was really good to see oh MVS like actually participating <laughs> and being like he's actually having, playing football, being a contributing factor in a game for once. One catch for six yards and one touchdown. <laughs> Listen, if that's all I ask of you, and that's what you can do, perfectly fine. I you you deserve a million dollars a year. That's fine. Uh, what were you guys' takeaways from there? Like, there's really not a whole lot to break down from the Kansas City Jacksonville game. Uh, we knew that Kansas City was just a much better team. They showed it on the field. There wasn't a whole lot. And this game was much more out of hand than it was in week 10. Um, eh. Chad Haney was able to come in and drive 98. Not that it was out of hand, much more just like it was more in control of the Kansas City Chiefs this time around than it was in week 10. Um, and and you bring in a guy like Chad Haney who gets a 98-yard drive. Isaiah Pacheco tried to cap it off with a solid like 35, 40-yard run for a touchdown and just missed out by a few yards. What are you guys' thoughts as um, – like Jacksonville is definitely not the caliber of the bills or the Bengals that we definitely could have played, but probably better than the caliber of the rest of the teams that were in the AFC. Well, starting off, it looked like we were just going to come out and absolutely torch them all day. Patrick looked amazing whenever he was healthy, went down and everybody was scared. It was rough watching to come out there and limp around a little bit, but I mean, that's why we have a good solid quarterback in Chad Henney. Ted Henney put us at ease. Yeah, he he made. I mean, there was a collective feeling of relief when when Henney had that ninety eight yard drive. Um, love him as a backup quarterback. He's done this before for us. Had to carry us through a game or two in the playoffs. Um, and so I'm gonna I'll move over to defense real quick here. I thought this game was going to solely hinge on the play of Chris Jones being the leader of the defense. Um, and when the defense is playing well, Arrowhead is louder than normal. Um, but I was kind of wrong. Chris Jones didn't have a great day. Everybody else on the D line did. Derek Nottie, Frank Clark. Pressure. Well, it led to other people getting sacks. Uh, Carlos Dunlap played well. Uh, Frank Clark had a sack and uh, a couple tackles for loss, or, or just total tackles here. Uh, three, three total tackles. No T. Uh, yeah, no TFLs. But no, excuse, no, I mean, two TFLs. Yeah. Two TFLs. But they played. They played great. The defensive line as a whole played great. Chris Jones didn't stand out as much as he normally does but his play definitely improved everybody else on that D-line. And uh, the Jaguars had multiple short fields. And the fact that we kept them to 20 points, I think, speaks a lot for what, for what we can do. I, I, I'm throwing those coverage numbers out the window because I don't – other than the glaring mistake, uh, like you were talking about with Christian Kirk, dropping that ball like uh, we played pretty well on defense. I would agree. 
I would agree. I was really surprised that uh, it, it sucks that Chris Jones can't get that monkey off of his back with the uh, with the sacks. I really thought that he was going to come up big, but I mean, when it comes down to the playoffs, man, the, the, you got a key on the main guys. You have to, and if you're going to double him, that's perfectly fine because that means that there's going to be other people that are left completely wide open, especially when you're blitzing. That's just going to allow for pressure all day. Um, it's going to be nice not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but it's going to be nice going in against the Bengals, knowing how bad that offensive line is and how well our D line and blitzes have been coming off this year. It could, could spring in some trouble if we actually put it together for once. Another quick thing to add on defense that Jalen Watson interception was freaking oh my beautiful, man. It's got to be interception of the year, Ooh. right? I, I don't – there's some other good ones out there. There's some great ones. Tariq Woolen, Sauce Gardner got some got some good ones. Got some good ones. Trevon Diggs got some good ones. But that – I mean, that Nobody's was – Nobody's got the one-handed fingertip 45-inch <laughs> vertical, like, off of one leg. Like, come on. Ain't nobody watch it unfold that. from where I'm sitting at in the stadium, too, was, was just – I mean – sex for my eyes like <laughs> it's like the throws midair and i was like oh this this don't look good uh uh Jaylen, oh get there baby <laughs> and listen if that ball was like an inch higher it's house call no no they're running no. to the house the guy wasn't even looking for it he had no it idea was a back, it was. was a back shoulder fade he knew exactly when and where it was coming mm. He's still completely you, turned you, around. He was what, in the middle of looking over whenever Jalen Watson already had it in his hands. Which was still a good five yards away. I don't think he would have made the catch. Maybe not. I was Maybe. nervous. I mean, my, my cheeks were tight. It wasn't a bad ball. It just one of those yeah, days. It was a bad ball. It was a little short. He could have left it longer, but it, was a bad it wasn't an awful. It wasn't awful. Uh, one, one question for me. Where, where the hell is Juju? Where the hell has he been? He has been almost non-existent for the last few weeks um, that we have played. Are we My guy. My really going to try and pay this guy in the offseason? I mean, the way you talked earlier, it kind of sounded like he was perfectly covered half the time at least. So, Right. <laughs> well, that's not good. Dude should be able to uh, run a better route. I will say his, his two catches were in some tight windows. Uh, so, yeah, J- Jags, as much as I don't think that metric is correct, the, the Jags did have some tight coverage. Um, but Juju is – he's not old, but he is older than some of the guys on the team, and he's one of those guys that's picked up injuries along the way that are, you know, affect those veteran guys. Um, I understand, but he's been playing longer than most of our receivers. He's he's been playing longer than Kadarius Tony. He's been playing longer than MBS. Uh, like, is we gotta be kind of be MBS is twenty eight. Has he been in the league as long as Juju though? Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. MBS doesn't have as many injuries on his on his timeline. He's one of those guys you kind of kind of have to baby his playing time at certain points. And I mean, if you think he's you know, if if health is in question at all, like he's he's gonna his playing time is gonna get restricted. Um, but we haven't needed him to have 
huge games. We're winning games. Kadarius Tony is <laughs> can't touch him, son. Like <laughs> that boy is shifty. Dude, Juju is not Juju doesn't move like Kadarius Tony. He's a he's a possession receiver. Like, you know, the, all the possession targets were going to Travis Kelsey. So I but he, he made catches when he needed to, when we went to him. Should we have seen more from Isaiah Pacheco? Absolutely, yeah. Twelve carries, ninety-five yards. I think. If those, I think if he got those twenty, if he would have got those twenty carries, we'd have seen a two hundred yard game out of him. In. Well, it's just not. It's not the offense. It's not what we do. <laughs> when Pat's out, we still throw the ball. Chad Henney, five for seven, baby. Didn't do. Didn't do too bad. Only twenty-three yards. And I mean. <laughs> Well, because they, they were all just like little dinkers. <laughs> and he was – how many times did Henny target Travis? Like it, Pat Pat was only looking Travis's way, and then Chad comes in, it's the same same stuff. Well, uh, I, I guess there, I do have a, a question that leads into the rest of the games that happened uh, between Saturday and Sunday. Uh, the Bills lost, and Stephon Diggs – and the rest of the Bills teammates seem to not be taking this one so well. Um, there were reports here uh, from uh, Bleacher Report um, put out a, a picture and a tweet from uh, Joe Biscaglia. Uh, Bills wide receiver Stephon Diggs darted out of the locker room with all of his stuff uh, before some of the Bills coaches were even down the tunnel area. Practice squad running back Duke Johnson stopped Diggs before he left the stadium and brought him back to the locker room. He would then left a few minutes later. There were other reports that Stephon Diggs did stick around uh, for Sean, uh, co- head coach Sean McDermott's uh, post-game speech, um, but there were other uh, remarks made about why does this happen all the time and Isaiah McKenzie also questioned the same things. What you got, Sean? Did you see his tweets today? I did not see Stefan Diggs' tweets today. Stefan Diggs' tweets today. Three tweets. I'll read them in order from his release. Did when you retweet be... his three tweets? No, I favorited him. <laughs> Want me to be okay with losing? Nah. Want me to be okay with our level of play when it's not up to the standard? Nah. Nah. It's easy to criticize my reaction more than the result. And I don't, I don't think the reaction from him is, is like, I don't think that should be criticized. I don't think the reaction is what we should be looking at for the sake of like bad sportsmanship or a bad teammate or whatever. That's clearly not the case. The locker room does love him. They've loved him at two different places in, in Minnesota. Him and, and Josh Allen have this little gay little bromance that people love talking bromance. about. Okay. Like they, they are, they're friends. That's the only thing that makes me think he's going to stay in Buffalo. He doesn't have an option but to stay in Buffalo. He has a large you could, amount you could of money. Finagle a trade. Well, that's that's where I was headed because he is owed a very large sum of money through the age of thirty-two. I think his dead cap, excuse me, if they were to cut him, is somewhere around in the uh, fifty million dollar range. He is owed anywhere between twenty-one and twenty-seven million dollars per year over the next four uh, five years. Uh, four or five years. If you're Kansas City, knowing you need a number one wide receiver and 
you have the fourth most cap space in the league at $118 million. Do you make a trade for a number one wide receiver? Maybe keep a guy like Juju around as the three, four, um, or excuse me, the two, three with Kadarius Tony, or allow him to walk and keep Kadarius Tony as your second fiddle to Stephon Diggs, who doesn't really have any health issues, and you still have Travis Kelsey. Look, it's, it's not, same, man. It's not going to happen. This, this. Let me just preface all of this: is the Chiefs are not going to get Stephon Diggs. Uh, I believe in, will, in this offseason. Should make a call, no? We should try everything we can to, yeah. Because if if he wants to win, he knows where he needs to go in the AFC. But it's never. I don't care how much Brett Veach has changed the culture of this front office. It's not in our DNA to go to make those kind of moves. We're not a we're not a wide receiver team, and we never. I don't think we ever will be, man. I don't disagree, um, but also we we if do we know- can that there would have to be some sort of like contract restructuring in there too to have guys oh, for to sure ha- to owe as much money as you owe Pat Mahomes to owe as much money like, as you owe. It'd go into like sign they they form it into signing bonuses and things like that. But uh, the like one thing that I've learned over the last few years of having Brett Veach and Andy Reid uh, as the two main guys, never doubt or question what Brett Veach might do. Like this guy's going out here every single year, making deals left and right, making trades for picks and whatnot. Like if, if they believe that this, this person, whoever it is, is going to make a change in the area that it's needed, like a deal is going to get made. The best thing I would I think- much rather take Stefan Diggs than I would D hop. The best thing that I love that Veach has been doing is been forcing all of Spags guys that he loves that are not athletic and rough to play, terrible stats, cutting them, bringing in new young talent, forcing Spags to use those players. Well, the only thing about that is that he hasn't brought in the biggest need on that defense, and it's a speed speed rusher. That's going to be this offseason on the edge, but. And real quick, back it up two steps here. Why, why, why would you rather have Stefan Diggs versus D Hop? Um, D Hop's a little bit older. Uh, D Hop is he he is steroid boy. He has had health issues over the last couple of seasons, and being able to not be there, whether it's suspension or through his through health issues, Stefan Diggs has been known to be constantly healthy, not miss games, not be a locker room problem anywhere he goes. Not saying that that D-Hop is, but not being available is a locker room problem. Um, There's just, I think, given the combination of a lot of things, I would much rather take Stefan Diggs in this part of their career. If you want to if you want to make D-Hop like both in their in their prime, yeah, we're all going to take D-Hop. Well, uh, my reasons for D Hop would would be more. I think you could get like a a discount on him. Oh, massively! Like, I, you're you're gonna you're gonna have to acquire either through trade. And I think you know D Hop. They already know he's gone. Like, you you can probably give up less 
to get D Hop, considering the year that Stefan Diggs just had. And because of a lot of the things that you were saying. But I think a hey, Chiefs medical staff, baby. <laughs> baby, baby D Hop during the regular season and unleash him in the playoffs. I think there's probably some other moves that I would try to make before again, D Hop not not a bad option, but just strictly for health purposes. I think there'd be some other moves that I would try to make, but you're not wrong in the fact that uh um the the cost would be far less. Uh, the bit like I don't know what to think about the Bills right now, man. This is like three, four years. Josh Allen clearly in regression. Can't do anything without Brian Dabble. <laughs> do they? Do they just implode a portion of the team? No one loses in the playoffs like the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Bums, dude. <laughs> Like Josh Allen legitimately looked like a above average QB this year. Like you can tell that he has the attributes and the skills and the abilities to like be really good. But when you put it all together with what's in between the ears and, and whatnot, like it just like, it's not clicking. It's not there. Way too much. Well, I mean, end end result for their season is extremely disappointing, but he put up 42, 35 and only had 14 interceptions. 22 total turnovers with the, like he's a fumble machine. Big I think, like I this, think his teammates is well. Yeah. Diggs did get mad at him after the game, but I, I think for the most part, like they ride with him. Like, they do, but he gets into the the course of always trying to play hero ball, where he's going to be running, literally mashing on the buttons on the controller like he wouldn't Madden. That's what type of ball he loves to play, and that always ends up in disaster. <laughs> mashing all the buttons on the controller. Spin, hurdle, stiff arm. Fumble. Like that? <laughs> fumble. What's the button for fumbling on Matt? RT. Or no, it's uh, R- RB. Like a RB, pitch. yeah. Mm. Um, I, do you, like should they implode a portion of this team? It seems like, uh, obviously, it's immediate reactions coming from the players. But should they? What do you mean by that? Um, you like, said it three times now. Cutting out some, coming, cutting out some of the fat, like getting getting some of these guys out of there. You've you've done it three years in a row with the same guys. And yeah, your offensive coordinator does change, so that changes up a little bit, but you didn't do any better without him. And you didn't do which which guys? Are you meaning are you asking if they need to ship Josh Allen out of there? Uh, no, definitely definitely not Josh Allen and and you can't, especially with a contract that you paid him, but maybe maybe that offense needs reworked. Maybe we need to start going with more of a running game from running backs than you do from your quarterback. Maybe you need to get some better offensive linemen in there. Um, maybe you do need to get your wide receivers a little bit more help instead of just Stephon Diggs. That defense, for all intents and purposes, is old. Von Miller, you paid him a shit ton of money just to sit out at the end of the season because he can't stay healthy. Shocker. Like there, I think there they needs to be maybe, maybe not an too, implosion. So. Yeah, they had a, they had a really bad injury season. 
Poyer and Micah Hyde are not spry chickens. They are they are older guys. If you continue to give these guys the money that they're asking for at the age that they're asking for, you're just asking for trouble in the prime of Josh Allen's career. If he can even stay like this, at this point, he's turning into Dak. Well, they built their team to beat the Chiefs. And they can't do That's it. That's it. They didn't build their team to win the Super Bowl. It's just to beat the Chiefs. Beat the Chiefs, it would be to win the Super Bowl. Not the you can't beat the Chiefs, but you can't beat the Chiefs. Not when it matters. Yeah, okay. Week six, week six Super Bowl victories, much like the Raiders and everybody else who gets a, a certain win on us over a span of like a decade. Congratulations! Now you got to change it up again. I think a locker room like that, being so close. Like they're not gonna. I, I think you do more harm than good if you just like just take a fucking hammer to it and and split them all up. I really do think the Bills have a little bit more camaraderie than a lot of teams out there. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. There's a degree. There's a large degree of that on every team in the NFL, but they they've got like a, you know, like a a weird, homoerotic. Bromance between all their players over there. I can tell you one thing for certain. Regardless of any changes being made, you got to reel in Josh Allen. Guys had a regressive year, did not look good, can't keep turning the ball over and trying to play hero ball, trying to take the deep shot all the time or put it all on your own shoulders. That is not a successful way to, to win the important games. I'm fine if he keeps doing this. Well, I am too as a Chiefs fan. Like, fuck him. But at the same time, if you're a Bills fan or a part of that organization, you can't continue your team to 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 go the same exact way it has for the last three years. But there's – I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, there's a team that clearly can and has – in the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, very similar players. You can tell that they have abilities, um, but will they ever put those to use? Clearly, they haven't. Well, Dak Dak's Prescott. problem is he, he he puts his talents to use, but he has he has those moments where it's just like a, an ab, abhorrent gaff that just comes out of nowhere. He's he's prone he's prone to inopportune mistakes. Uh, even when he's having a good game, like his his mistakes, you know, cost him that game. But there are other points in that game where, you know, Dak looked like he could have pulled it out. He missed he missed five five or six regular season games and led the league in interceptions. At this point, it's not becoming inopportune moments or a slip of the mind. Like this is who Dak Prescott is. He's not good enough. You're paying this guy forty plus million dollars. He hasn't had that big of an interception problem before this year. He's put up great stats before this year, and he looked really good in the Giants game. Everybody was saying people look if good Dak, against the Giants, man. If Dak, if Dak, was it the Giants? Yeah, it was the Giants. He looked good against the Eagles too, didn't he? Uh, I, no. I don't, I don't everybody was he, saying if if we got the Dak that played last week, that they were they. And they would have. They would have very easily well, against Tampa against Tampa Bay. Yeah, but Tampa, again, that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but again, that that's Tampa. 
this year's like 2022, 2023. They made teams. the playoffs and they're playing in the NFL. Like, would you have been saying that about the Panthers had the Panthers made the playoffs? Yeah, because yeah. statistically they had a better defense than Tampa Bay. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> they're still awful. They're still not good, and neither are the Tampa Bay Bucks. I would like, love yeah, to have won that game on this team. Yeah, you won that game and you did win it handily, but it wasn't good. What do you mean? Wasn't good enough to get it done in the divisional round is what I mean. Like you're supposed to build off the back the, of momentum. Well, that that sure shit didn't help. What is what is seen to be one of the I mean, obviously it's the top two team. This the the top two teams in the NFC is nineteen to twelve. They they got a rookie quarterback on the other side. Like that game is very winnable for the the Cowboys. Like, I I understand a lot of the things that you're saying, but I I don't think Dak. Like, so it's not than, a Dak. You're saying it's not necessarily a Dak problem. So what you would say, you both agree on then would be, and and I do agree that there is a larger problem than Dak at hand, which would be their head coach Mike McCarthy. They just don't. They just don't help themselves. He doesn't help themselves them out when he's giving up the ball like that. Like it, bad year for interceptions. Um, rough game last time. So I mean, the biggest knock on Dak is he just can't get it done when it matters. Dak can get a team to the playoffs. Dak can put up good good stats and a good record, but he can't win a playoff game. It's very similar narrative to Aaron Rodgers now. Minus Mike McCarthy stick Minus around. The Super Bowl. Is he is Jerry Jones keeping Mike McCarthy on staff? Yeah, hasn't Jerry already come out and said Mike's staying? I don't know. Don't what they really need to do but... is solve their running back situation and find somebody else who's like Tony Pollard and just like double head the backfield with him and do something with Zeke uh, and bring in a bring in more receivers. That is kind of where the game switched around. Is whenever Pollard went out late in the second quarter. Yeah. That that Dallas Dallas Cowboys offense, but most specifically Dak, always plays worse when he has to mainly head the backfield with Zeke, or when Tony is out in any way, shape, or form. Like that that offense does not perform without Tony Pollard. Zeke is one of the last guys that performed well at the running back position and got paid and just like was a total waste of money for their team. Is he's he's the reason. Why coaches won't pay running backs anymore? Unless you're Christian like, McCaffrey, he's that ex- well. The the Niners uh, with Brock, like, did, can they do this with Brock? I mean, Brock made some huge plays in that game. He was he, he was hitting some windows, making big plays on third down, converting third downs, like. He squeaked by one of the better defenses, but they're going to play another tough defense. Um, so the Eagles have a think, better defense than the Cowboys. It's close. I feel like Cowboys have better pass rushers, but I mean, I think everywhere overall, else, the Eagles the look a lot season, better. Eagles are better, yeah. I, the margin, the margin isn't very large, and to say that the passing game, which is probably lesser on the 49ers side, that's like what they focus on a little bit less. Clearly. Um, then the, it, it would 
be fair to say that the 49ers match up with what they have there on their offensive side would match up better against the Eagles than they would the 49ers, given they're not going to, they're, they're not prone to passing. I think, I think the Eagles have a still a stout run defense and they have more athletes on their, on that, that side of the ball than the Cowboys do. The Cowboys have star pieces throughout their defense, but as like they have they have more athletes on on the Philadelphia Eagles side. So I don't need I don't necessarily think they match up better. I think they're having I think they're that's gonna be I mean, this is the test. They're they're right there. And I mean it's I think it's a it's more of a testament to Kyle Shanahan uh in the offensive system that they have going there. Um but this this is obviously it. You know what they're doing is unprecedented. Three quarterbacks and still being able to make the NFC championship. Granted, the NFC is not as good as it has been in, in past years, but I mean, who the hell would have expected this out of the San Francisco 49ers? I expected them to be a, a playoff team. Yeah. Going through three different quarterbacks? No. Well, that's what that's what I'm I saying. Meant, I meant before the season, but yes. I it's it's crazy, but uh, the Eagles had the best record. They're the best of the best, and we've said it all for quite a while. They're this most stacked team in the league. So, if uh, if they beat them, I feel like the Niners should almost be like favorites to win the Super Bowl. But do I believe in Brock Purdy? No. Can we just go ahead and go back to the end of that game and how terrible that was? That's two years yeah. in a row the Cowboys have lost lost to the Niners on some of the stupidest play calling I've ever seen. The ball was not supposed to be snapped. They, it's much like uh, when you when, are you sure when you about go that? Back, when you go back and that ball was not supposed to be snapped. It's the same. It's Why was almost that not the same snapped, thing. Though? So go back to the Indianapolis Colts play where with Pat McAfee. And they had that weird shaped punt that went. Pat was wrong. Pat put out a tweet though that said at least mine wasn't supposed to be snapped. Like I, I think most people think thought it was, was supposed to be. It like, was supposed was a, to be snapped. That was a the play. Niners called a timeout before that. Yeah, and they went out and did the same exact thing. Right. That was a that was a that was a made. Play. Who thinks that's a good idea? Like, I can see what they were trying a- to do. I trying to get it to him so he can lateral to the other side and have three blockers the entire way, but. They snipped it out right away. Like exactly. It's never it's never worked. The only I I take that back. The only time it's ever worked has been in college with uh the Oregon Ducks using it's called the swing and gate uh and and doing that uh for a two-point conversion when you're a yard and a half away from the end zone. The only time I've ever seen that work was in the longest yard, a fictional movie. The Giants. Vanilla Vic, does he is is he coming back? Absolutely. Do I still have to see this guy suck on my TV screen next year? Absolutely. I don't want to see him. The reason why is he actually became a lot better of a passer. Their offense did not rely solely on Saquon as it did in the beginning of the year. Dayball is progressing him along very well. They might as well see what they have instead of start completely all over. I mean, you made the playoffs with the guy. Give him a two, three-year contract. See if he can do something else. 
get ready, reestablish everything else, get a young quarterback or a veteran quarterback in somewhere in between that year two and year three. Go from there. You're on the upswing, Giants. Keep him. Let him ride it out a little bit longer. Get a big playmaker in after him. They definitely need some wide receiver help before they go and try and figure out who their quarterback's going to be. The offensive line is is fairly decent. Uh, if uh, Saquon can stay healthy, then you don't really have any problems. Um, you got a guy like Lamar Jackson who's coming available. He's getting uh, tagged with almost every team just trying to figure out who their quarterback is because you don't know if you have one and yours is probably not better than Lamar Jackson. Um, should they be taking a, a, a flyer on the man from Baltimore? They couldn't afford him. Now, I know they probably have a lot space. of cap space. They probably do, but they're not going to be able to afford Lamar. Can any team afford Lamar if he was wanting $250 million? Yeah. Jets will go for it. Dolphins will go for it. If those two can afford it, then the Giants can afford it. He he would never go to the Giants, though. That's, that's probably fair. The Bengals, I, I don't know. I, I mean, from here, the Eagles handedly won that game. There was no question about it. Um, it was 14 nothing when I actually looked at the score, and the game was never ensued after that. I mean, probably one of the worst divisional round playoff game period that I have seen. Yeah, it was just a good old-fashioned ass-whooping. That sh- goes to show you how fraudulent the Vikings actually were. The Giants were able to beat them like that, and then they get crushed by the Eagles like this. One team that we haven't talked about was the Bengals, who absolutely manhandled the Bills at home in the snow. Kudos to them. Do you think them being in their all-whiteout jerseys kind of helped them in the snow? No. Couldn't see. (laughs) You're running around with a bright orange helmet on. I think he could see just fine. (laughs) I think the Bills' run defense is what helped them out the most. Does that – does the ass-kicking that the Bengals gave the Bills scare you guys at all for the AFC championship game? No, not really. Am I nervous about it still? Of course, it's the AFC championship game, but we're going to play him a lot tighter than the Bills have. If DeMar Hamlin didn't go down in the first game, I feel like the Bengals still would have gone out there and whooped the ass of the Bills. So, I mean, this was a game I don't that think- was... I don't think this last game is what uh, what scares me most about <laughs> this AFC Championship game. It's the last three meetings that we've had with the Bills or the Bengals. That's what scares me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's uh, this this Bengals team is good, and it uh, it worries me. But that is a conversation for another day. Um, only be doing one shows from here on out till we get through the. Super Bowl. There's not a whole lot of news out there, information. Uh, this is the the time of year where it gets real quiet uh, before we get into the draft, which is going to be held in Kansas City and is a free event. So if you're looking at going to the draft, 
Um, if you cannot get like a corporate event VIP tickets, uh, it is it is free. So you just have to make sure uh, you get there early. What were you saying, Sean? I just want to go ahead and say one more thing about the Bengals-Bills game. They kept trying to show DeMar Hamlin in his suite. But if you look up at it, there was just snow everywhere. You couldn't even see him. All the memes uh, about that DeMar is in there. is great. He looks fine. You can't tell what he, he's looking like right now, mm-hmm. but... Well, there is going to be some snow that hits us. Uh, Tybo, are you going to the game on Sunday? All right. Well, yes, I am. There is expected to be a fairly decent storm that hits us tomorrow night, Tuesday into Wednesday. There's also uh, supposed to be another storm that hits us on AFC Championship Sunday and then another one that hits us on Wednesday the following week. So, uh, keep your eyes out for that, Tybo. I don't want you getting frostbite or being. If we get a snow game, I, b- I believe we have the advantage. I Pats... just played in a snow game and played fantastic. Joe, eh, Joe, it was Joe a, it was a wet snow. snow. It wasn't that deep. It was, you know, we've we've played real snow games. Okay. <laughs> so the fraudulent snow game is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. So you're you're, you're telling me week. that the Bills. You're telling me that the Bills are frauds, the Bills fans are frauds, and the weather that's in Buffalo is also fraudulent. No, I'm telling you that this past game, that wasn't a very heavy snow game. That was a wet snow. That's what I'm saying. It was a dusting. Buffalo frauds. Well, okay. Fuck you, Buffalo. Fraudulent. (laughs) I like your beer, but don't like you. Everything about you. Are you trying to end the show without talking about uh, Pick'em? No, I actually wasn't trying. Okay. I totally did for just forget about it. Um, yes, so Pickham ended. Now I ended with the best score. Uh, how it should have ended with how great I was. That I, I wasn't. Ladies and gentlemen, you're 2023, 2022, <laughs> 2023. We're calling it. It's game over. Bob and Bo Ooh. show winner for Pickham is in fact Tybo. We're calling it here. There's three games left. The only thing that could happen is he could tie with Sean, uh, and he's already and ties shown. suck. We don't count ties in football here. He's he's also already shown that uh, you know he would he would be fraudulent in the way that he picks to make sure that Sean or myself <laughs> wouldn't uh, have a chance at winning. He just picked the same as us because uh, he is a horrible person. So. Tybo, congratulations <laughs> to you. Sean, and it just you had, absolutely kills them that they have to pay me money. Sean, you had the final tally of what goes into the fine bucket. Uh, we've already divvied it out, but how much does Tybo win altogether? Tybo wins a whopping $35.50. <laughs> it doesn't include his own fines of another $20. I was going to say the whole pot was the yeah. whole pot was 55 56 bucks. A lot of fines, boys. We'll have more next season. We'll have more next season because we only did it for, what, three quarters of the year? And next we year... probably had more than I marked down, too. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Way to go. Well, that also means that next year, maybe we'll do pick them again for the fine bucket. Next year. Maybe... Please do. Uh, 
we have been talking about doing a survivor league, which would be very fun with all of you as listeners. So if that is something you're interested in, make sure you're leaving comments down below in YouTube, uh, in the comment section of the Facebook post, hit us up on Twitter at Bob and Bo show. Make sure you let us know that that's something that you would want to be a part of so we can get a group going and maybe you can win a little bit of money. You can't pick better than us though. Can't. We prove it. Yeah. Tough luck. We're better than even the big wigs of sports media. Good morning, football. You guys suck. I wonder, can we calculate how much money I would have won on, like, just betting money lines this year? <laughs> uh, you, If you want to do money lines, yeah, I can. Um, I, I'll, I'll send you the spreadsheet and you can figure that out. Okay. Because, <laughs> <laughs> damn, I feel like I could have won way more than this sorry ass 35 bucks. <laughs> what was our uh, our final standings uh well we we do still have we will do pick them for the uh afc nfc championship weekend and for the super bowl with three games left uh, i finished off in fourth only two games behind sean 164 wins sean had 166 wins tybo has 169 wins nice. you did so bad you finished in fourth I say fourth. Yeah, yeah, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at math, man. Tybo's in charge That's of all That's just this counting, next year. son. You're not good at counting. One, two, three. <laughs> That's math. One plus one plus one. Plus one minus oh, one. Boy. Quick yep. math. Times. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up in there. <laughs> uh, listen, it's about, it is currently championship weekend. Thank God none of these oh. are going to be in a neutral site. <laughs> no, it's not. It's Monday it's night. Not, it's the middle of the week. But or it's not. You said it's, it's championship, championship week. weekend. It's championship <laughs> week. Good night, you boys. You. You boys. It's birthday week, too. It is birthday week. Yeah. For the both of us. My birthday's on Wednesday. Mine's on Friday. Mine's not this week. We won't celebrate it anyways. <laughs> Thanks. It's championship week. We've got games coming up for all the marbles. Almost. How many marbles? All of them. There's only three marbles. Do do people put marbles in the... What is our trophy? What does the Super Bowl trophy look like? Isn't it real boring? Isn't this like a silver cylinder? It's it's a a silver football on top of a silver... Oh, that's right. Yeah, Doc. That's right. See, Doc. it's so boring, it's not even memorable. Give us a Stanley Cup or something. That would be sick. It's anything it, it, out it of, to used... drink out of. Yeah. <laughs> that would I, The championship parade where they're just drinking out of it? Come on. Well, the, there was the uh, the one family that they interviewed before the, the divisional game against Jacksonville where uh, they, they bought a replica Super Bowl Lombardi trophy, and then they were just uh, losing beers off of it. Nice. That's not. That's cool, but it's not as cool as drinking out of a trophy. It, no, it's not. It's not. Have a nice cup, big cup. Listen, games this Listen. weekend. You're gonna want to be watching. You're gonna want to get the breakdown that's gonna be coming to you on Friday. So make sure you stick around. YouTube, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Like I said. Tybo needs some top five suggestions. Hit us up, Bob and Bo Show. Let us know if you want to be a part of next year's Survivor League. We're Bob and Bo Show, let us know show. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you guys next time. And as always, remember, good
Go Chiefs. Bundle up this Go week, Chiefs. baby. Go Chiefs.